Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start here this morning. Um, verse 18 is, is the verse we're going to talk about this, this, this morning, and it's only a part of the verse. It's a, like I said, it's a two-part message. Verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I want you to notice in the text this morning is the very first two words. Praying always. Let's pray. God, I pray, Lord, and ask that you would help me this morning to get out of your way, Lord, to preach just your words. Lord, I pray that you give us the truth, Lord, that you give us understanding. Lord, may, may you uh, work in each one of us. You know that no matter what ability a man has, Father, I, Lord, I understand that only God changes the hearts. The truth is, Lord, we need you to work in us. All of us do. If we're truly honest with us, Lord, if we really look at ourselves, we see, we see the need. God, I pray that you would help us. Not only to see the need, Lord, but see the answers. I ask for your help this morning, in Jesus' precious name, amen. We have been studying through Ephesians chapter 6, uh, the, the armor of God. It has been a, I was going to say six-week study, but it wasn't six weeks. It's, it's only three weeks that we've actually talked about it so far. This is the fourth. Uh, I just took a three-week break because of COVID. However... <clears throat> Um, it's a, it's been a, it's been a six sermon, uh, study on, on, on the armor of God. We talked about how we cannot do this. We cannot uh, live this life or fight this battle. And we've been talking, we've been talking about being prepared for the day of battle. Uh, and we can't fight that battle in our own strength. In fact, the first verse uh, there, verse 10 says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We cannot do those things on our own. We can try, but I can tell you what will happen if we do will fail. Uh, scripture is very clear. Many times, uh, many different examples of men who tried to do things on their own and they failed. And, and, we'll, and, and the, the, the case is that we need the strength of the Lord. We need the power of the Lord. It goes on to say in the next verse that, that, uh, that uh, this, this battle that we're fighting isn't a physical battle. It isn't uh, Republicans versus Democrats. It isn't good people versus bad people. It isn't, uh, it isn't uh, patriots against everybody else. Right? It, 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 it's not a physical battle. The enemy that we that we face isn't the guy that you see standing across from you. It isn't the person even sitting next to you. Uh, it's, it's, it doesn't matter who they voted for. They're not the enemy. The enemy that we face, according to the word of God, is a spiritual enemy. Verse uh, 12 says, uh, says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That word wrestle means to compete against, to go against, to fight against. Hand-to-hand uh, uh, -hand combat, is uh, that's what wrestling is. It's, it's trying to throw one down or, or, and, and to resist being thrown down. And, and we're, we're, we're fighting a spiritual battle. Now, we can't see it. We can't see the opposition, but we can all feel it. And we, we, we talked about how we talked about, we went from that and talking about uh, the, the armor that God has given us that, so that we could be able to stand in the day of battle and at the end of it all to be able to say that we withstood and, and still be standing at the end of it. And that's the whole goal, to persevere in this Christian life, to, 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 to be able to, to not just survive, but make a difference. That's the whole idea of withstanding. 
God has given us, God has equipped us a, a spiritual armor to protect ourselves in that battle. We talked about the, our loins being girded about with truth, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the, the shoes, uh, uh, the, the, the putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Uh, the, the, we talked about the shield of faith and the, uh, the, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We, we put together all those things and man, it's a, uh, what a wonderful armor God has given to us. But have you ever seen somebody get dressed for battle? You ever seen somebody uh, that, that is, is prepared for, uh, they put on the, the, the uniform and what they need, but then not go out to battle? Does it do any good? If you remember back in the Old Testament, don't, we're not going to turn there, in the book of 1 Kings, uh, uh, or first, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel, David is, uh, is, 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 is not king yet. He's just a little uh, shepherd boy. Uh, but the, the King Saul and the armor have gone out to fight against the Philistines. And David's dad sends him to visit his brothers and to see how the battle's going. Do you remember, do you remember that story? If you, if you went to Sunday school as a kid, you've heard about little David versus Goliath. Right? And so, so David goes in, and remember, David doesn't have an armor. He doesn't have a shield. He, doesn't have, he has none of those things. But guess who does? King Saul. In fact, every soldier there is armed for battle. They're all prepared. They're all ready. But, but every time Goliath comes out, they shake in their boots, and they all go hide in their tents. It isn't until a, a young boy comes and, the, and, 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 and David uh, who goes and fights. And, and if you remember, they tried to put, Saul tried to put onto him uh, that armor. And David said, listen, I can't wear any of this stuff. I, I've not proved it. You know, I, I've, not, it's, I've not tested it. I, I, I can't fight in this stuff. I, I can only imagine David being a young boy trying to put on Saul's armor who the Bible says was head and shoulders above everybody else. Somebody, a man that posted a picture of, of Ezra uh, a couple of years ago when he was, well, you're, you're nine now, right? You're, he was probably five, uh, wearing my suit coat at church. And it was pretty much, it was, you could see his head, and that was it. <laughs> it didn't fit. It would keep him warm because it, was, it would block, block the wind, but it wasn't the right size, and he couldn't really do anything in it. Listen, David couldn't have fought in Saul's armor even if he wanted to. It wasn't meant for him. He hadn't proved it. But, but we had an entire army full of men who had armor, who had swords, who had shields, that all sat back and did absolutely nothing. See, what God has given to us is armor to protect ourselves in battle. But it doesn't do us any good to wear the armor if we're not willing to go fight. See, well, what do you mean? It's a, it's a daily fight. You're right, but unless you're putting up a fight, unless you're doing something about it. Look at verse, at the very end of verse 17. We'll read the whole verse. It says, and take the helmet of salvation. And what do you see there? You see a comma. What does that mean? It means the thought isn't finished, Right? It's, it's just taking your breath. And then the next thing, and the sword of the Spirit, comma, and then which is the word of God, meaning this is the explanation of what that is. But what do you see after that? Do you see a period and the start of a, next, a new paragraph? No. You see a, a colon, and it's, what it's saying is there's more to the thought. The next, thought, the next part of the thought is, in fact, the very next words are praying always. 
I'm gonna, uh, my, 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 my thought here this morning, and it, we're, again, my text is these two words. So, so we'll be done quick. I'm, we won't be, don't, I'm just kidding. It's going to be a long time. We're going to look at these two words. I, I, but my, 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 my belief, and I believe the truth here is that this is the way in which we battle. We're to battle every single day. We're to, we're to be, be protected in the day of battle. But the way that we battle, listen, it, it isn't by just going out and being good people. It isn't our good works that we battle. That's the breastplate of righteousness, remember? It isn't our good works. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ and the holiness which he calls us to. So that's a part. So that isn't the fight. The fight is, is prayer. And I believe I can prove that to you. The first word we see here is prayer. Or praying always. The word prayer comes from the, uh, the Greek word prosukamai. It literally means having a, 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 it literally means communication between man and God. Having a conversation. We, we, we like, sometimes we build prayer up into something bigger than it really is. But it's you talking to God. Now, I'm not, I, this is, it, that's important, that, that, and, and that's big, because when we really stop and think about who it is we're talking to, there should be some awe, so there should be some reverential fear. Uh, we, we think about we're talking to the creator of the universe, the, the, God, of, the, the God of all creation, the God who, who orders and, and holds up and continues to hold up the world and our lives, and everything's intertwined, all understand, understanding that the sovereignty of God, God is in control, and we can talk to him. That's what prayer is. But that word prayer means it's talking about all different types of prayer. And there are different types of prayer. There's thanksgiving. There's praise. There is supplication, which we're going to see here is in this verse as well. We'll, we'll talk about that stuff this afternoon. Uh, but when it, that, that word prayer means it's all-encompassing, every kind of prayer that you can pray. Now, we can thank God, we can praise God, we can supplicate or, or ask for things, right? Uh, in fact, the, the word pray means to ask. We, we can do all of those things, but it's saying this is, uh, this is the way in which we battle. I say, well, how do we know that? The next word, continue on, the next word says always. There are three Greek, Greek words here that they've combined to make always. The first one is en. It means it's talking about our position, anywhere. The second one is kairos. It's talking about all occasions, and it means any time or all times. And the third word is pass, meaning the whole or for everything. God is, in, this, in, this, in these two words, has told us that we are to make, in this battle, we are to make every type of prayer, and that we are to pray everywhere at all times for everything. That is how we battle. Listen, you cannot go into battle and pray if you don't have the helmet or the hope of salvation. We talked about that. You cannot go and pray the, the will of God, knowing what the will of God is, if you don't know the word of God. You cannot go and pray to a God and to our God and expect him to hear you if there's sin in your life. You need the breastplate of righteousness. And how do I know that? Because the Bible says he doesn't, if, there's, if we regard iniquity in our heart, he does not hear us. So, so we need to understand that all of those things that God gave us, and they're there to help us in our daily battle. That battle is prayer. And listen, uh, turn back with me if you would, and this is the, 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 going to be the bulk of the message, and some of you may remember this. 
I've preached it before. It's been three years, so you may not remember it. Turn back with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Here in Mark chapter 3, Jesus has just performed a, a, a miracle. The, the, casting, uh, the casting out of, of, uh, of, a, uh, of a false spirit. We'll start reading verse 20. And the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. Meaning the, there were so many people around them, they couldn't even, even eat their lunch. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, He is beside himself. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. What's happened? Uh, they've seen him, him perform miracles. People are crowding in around him, and, and they're, they're trying to pull him away from the crowd. And, and, and the, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, these religious type, they're, they're looking at what Jesus did, and they're trying to explain it. Right? Because they're the religious folks. So the, they, the, and people look, are looking to them and they're saying, listen, the only way he can do this, this, this teacher, the only way he can do this is because he got his power from Satan. Now, does that make sense? Well, it does if you're trying to deny the deity of Jesus Christ. But we, but you and I know, John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. That Jesus was, didn't just, wasn't just born, that he existed before creation. In fact, Colossians teaches us that, that, that he had his hand in creating everything, and that by him everything still consists or exists today. We understand that he was there. In fact, John 1 tells us that by him was everything made. Without him, it wouldn't have been made. So, so we know that, that, he, that Jesus is God in the flesh. John 1.14, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among men. We, we know that, that Jesus was God, but, but they were trying to, to explain away the power that he had, the ability to perform all these miracles. And it wasn't just the casting out of demons. He, he healed people. He rose people from the dead. He, he, he did a, a number of things that they could not explain. And, and he did those things so that they would believe who he was. Right down to the, turning, the changing of the water to the wine was done so that the disciples would know who he was. So, so they're trying to explain this way, and they're, 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 they're giving him, they're saying that, well, he must be Beelzebub, or Satan must be working through him. But Jesus responds to them in, in this passage. And he called them unto him and said unto them in parables, how can Satan, this is verse 23, by the way, how can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but hath an end. And then he gives us a parable. He says, no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. And Jesus is trying to explain to them uh, that, that it wasn't uh, through Satan's power that he cast out Satan's demon. Because it doesn't make sense that, that Satan would attack himself or do something against himself. If, if you've heard the, the phrase, a house divided against itself can't stand. Many times uh, historians will say, well, Abraham Lincoln said that. Well, he stole that. 
Jesus said it first. He was teaching this principle that, that, that Satan could not do that, or would not, could not do that against himself because it would bring an end to himself. So, so he's saying, no, it's, 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 it's not. Somebody has come into Satan's house and bound the strong man. So the message this morning as we talk about this, there, we, we are prepared for battle. We can have on all the armor, but we need to pray. And, and our, our, the, the act of war that we're, do, that, we're, that we're making is prayer. And listen, we need to pray today. Every single day, all the time, for every reason, for every situation, for everybody, we need to pray. There is not a time that we don't need to battle. Do you know why? Because there is a strong man. Who is the strong man? Well, Jesus identified the strong man as Satan. We'll say, uh, who is he and what is he? Well, he was a creation of God. Isaiah, if you turn to, to, and you don't need to for sake of time, but if you turn to Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 15, uh, you, you read how, how Satan was an angel of God and, and, and he was created by God and he rose up against God. It talks about that there in those verses that he said, I will be like the Most High. He, he rose up in, in his pride and said, I'm, I'm, I'm beautiful, I'm strong, I'm powerful. I will be like God. And that was that pride, that sin, got him cast out of heaven. The Bible talks about him being cast down to the earth. We get this idea that Satan is, 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 a, is a weak little man in a, in a red leotard with, with, a, with a, a, a horny hat and a, a pitchfork. Listen, that is a picture that the world tries to get out there that, that we're not afraid of. Because I'll be honest with you, if I see a guy in a red leotard, I ain't scared. I got a Glock, I got a Glock 23. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty safe. I wouldn't shoot anybody. I'm just... We're getting off topic here. I'm not afraid of, of the picture that the world has of the devil. and tries to... I'm not terrified. I'm not worried. But that is not how the Bible describes Satan. Do you want to know how the Bible describes Satan? 1 Peter 5 describes it as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. He is bent on destruction. He is bent on ruining the lives of every Christian. He is bent on, on destroying your testimony. He is bent on, on keeping you from accomplishing anything for God. That's why God gave us all that armor, so that we could fight against the wiles of the devil. 2 Corinthians 11.14 describes him as an angel of light. He's, he's beautiful. He is, he's, he's deceptive. He is intelligent. He has been around since the beginning of time, and we need to understand he isn't stupid. He can trick you. He knows your weaknesses. He, he can get his hooks into you and destroy your life. And by the way, he's not by himself. The Bible also tells us that he took a third of the, a third of the angels of heaven with him. So he's got an entire army of, 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 of what you can call them minions, but everybody thinks of those little yellow guys now. You can call them they're demons that are with him. They work with them to destroy what God is trying to what God has created. 2 Corinthians 4 4 calls him the God of this world. John chapter 12 31 says that he is the ruler of this world. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 says that, that he is the prince of the power of the air. Listen, he is not some weak, weak little guy, a hippie guy in a red costume. He is a powerful being that you and I have no power over. You think you're smarter than him, you are not. 
What's even scarier is in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13. I love this verse, but it's talking about how Jesus has rescued us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. It's talking about how he has saved us. But the power of darkness isn't talking about his, his strength. That word power of darkness is talking about Satan. It's talking about his jurisdiction. Did you know that Satan has jurisdiction over the lives of the people of this earth? Jesus taught the, the Pharisees that, that they were of the devil. They, they, they were of the, their father, the devil. Listen, God, yes, he created everything, but we're born with a sinful nature. And we're, we are controlled by them or by him. We are controlled by that. And, and we, we lie. You don't have to teach your kids to lie. I've got four kids. They've all learned to lie all by themselves. My oldest one didn't teach the younger ones. He was born with the ability to. They, they have the, they, they're all selfish. Now, we can, you can teach them to not be selfish. You can teach them to not lie. But that, that thing that's in there, it's still there. Guess what? When they're adults, if, they're, if they don't get saved and, and God doesn't begin to change them from the inside, they'll, they'll, they're still, they can still be liars. They can still be thieves. They can still be terrible, wicked people. Satan is a strong man. And can I say this? He has his grip on this world. You see it everywhere you look. Last year, 507 people died of overdoses in the state of Maine. Higher than any year ever. You can blame it on COVID. I blame it on Satan. Do you know why? There was a reason they were doing those drugs. They were depressed. They were looking for something. There was an emptiness in their heart. Uh, listen, uh, depression, uh, that, 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 many times, that, that I'm not saying that, that people can't have uh, hormonal imbalances. That, that, that I can't say that people can't be affected by the weather. But, but listen, when you don't have any hope, and when your hope is in those types of things, you can lose that hope real easy. And Satan will bring along depression into your life and, and bring you to a point where uh, it's just not worth it anymore. Uh, I, I, I can't live my life. Or, uh, I'm looking for something, and people try to fill it through drugs. They try to fill it through alcohol. They try to fill it through relationships. They try to fill it through money. They try to fill it through career. And listen, they even try to fill that void with doing good things for other people. But guess what? That void will always be there because that, the, 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 the Satan has his hooks into their heart and into their mind, and he's just got this grip on them that they'll never, ever get free of. And you and I can come along and try to help. Other people can come along and try to help. And, Listen, let me help you get into a, uh, into a program to get you sober. Let me try to help you get into this to, to, to help you bring your finances back. Uh, let me get you to a counselor to help you. Listen, uh, I'm not saying that those things can't help people get sober. My wife was, was addicted to, to, to meth and heroin and all those other things, and she got sober before she became a Christian. But you know what happened? Even though she got sober, and this, uh, she's, she's shared this testimony before, so uh, I'm not saying anything that, that, that hasn't already been told. You know, she got sober, but, but all she did was change one, one I'm not going to say habit, one attack of Satan, one stronghold of Satan for another. She went from being addicted to drugs to, being, to, 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 to struggling with, with uh, uh, self-harm and with, with, uh, uh, with, uh, with uh, eating disorders. And she couldn't control those things. 
praise God, she's not dealing with it now. But you know how she got victory over those things? It wasn't because of a self-help book. And it wasn't because of some counselor. It wasn't because, it wasn't because she went to a program for those things. It was just God came into her heart and her life and opened up her eyes to the truth that she was valuable, she was loved, and oh goodness, I can't. God did a work in her life. And listen, if you're saved here today, you didn't have to be a drug addict. You didn't have to be addicted to to pornography for God to do a work in your life. You didn't have to be an alcoholic or or whatever else. God still worked in your life because Satan gets his grips in us and, and, and he will not let go. So then what are we fighting for? Jesus said, Unless a strong, there back in Mark chapter 3, verse 27, no man can enter into a strong man's house. You and I cannot fix the problem. The world cannot fix the problem. The things that they're doing cannot fix the problem. It just puts a band-aid over it, hides the problem. But you know what can fix the problem? Somebody coming in and binding the strong man. What does that mean? It's, it's this idea of somebody guarding their house, a big muscular man. He's guarding the house, and he's, he, will let, he won't let anybody in. And it says somebody's got to come in and bind the strong man. Tie him up. And then you can spoil the house. You can do what you want. I tell you, I'm not strong enough. I asked Ezra to, to help me. I need, a couple, I need a couple people to help me. Brother, would you volunteer? I need a, I need a chair. I'm sorry, but you're Satan. We have a strong man. I wouldn't want to mess with him. You gotta have a seat, brother. Satan has his grips on this world, on this generation, on your generation, on my generation, on every generation. He has control of everybody in this world. They are within his jurisdiction. He has control over their life. And they may not know it. They may not understand it. They may, they may be blinded to it. The Bible says that, that, that he blinds the minds of, the, of this world so that they don't know the gospel. You're the world, buddy. And you are in the grip of the strong, strong man. Don't let him go. You wrap your legs around him, whatever you got to do. Don't let him go. Now, do you think that, that Ezra can get away from, from the strong man? Now, uh, it, it, probably not. He may play dead. He may do some other things. But if, if he's really trying to hold on to him, I don't think that he can hold on to him. See, it's, uh, he, he can't do anything. But guess what? He needs somebody to come along. And this is what you and I do most of the time. Hey, uh, listen, I know that you're struggling, but, but uh, here's this uh, 12-step program I know about. <laughs> Ain't working. We can give them all kinds of different, uh, let, me, let me talk to you, let me help you in my own strength and my own power. But listen, I can't overpower him. 
I'm not big enough to take him on. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to take him on. I can't do it. And, and the truth is, as much as I try, I can, I can wear myself out. I can tire myself out. I can do everything I can in my own strength and in my own power. And he's still going to be stuck right there with Satan's hooks on him. I want to read another verse. Stay there. Luke chapter 11. It's the same, same parable. Luke chapter 11. As soon as I get there, I'm turning too slow. I'm going to look at verses 21 and 22. But God's... I'm in chapter 12, sorry. Luke chapter 11, verses 21 and 22. It says, When a strong man, armed, keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But I love this next verse. But when a stronger man, stronger than he, shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all those armor and wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. Can I borrow you for a minute? Did, did you hear that verse? When somebody's stronger than he is, comes upon him. He come and rescue him. Go ahead and rescue him from the arms of the strong man. See, it takes somebody stronger. You, you know what needs to happen? I need to go and ask the stronger man to help. See, that's a battle that I can't fight on my own. That's a battle that I can't, I can't win because he's bigger than I am. He's stronger than I am. He, he, he has the ability to fight me off like as he come here. I want you to try to hit me. <laughs> this is what it's like when, when you and I fight against Satan in our own power in our own strength, in our own ability. We can do everything. We can have all the training we want. We can be wearing all the right armor. But if we're trying to do it ourselves, he can't lay a finger on us. He can't hurt us. Okay, now he's being smart. Get, get out of here. Thank you, guys. See, it, it takes us going to one who is stronger than we are. What is that? Prayer. Prayer. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 1. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. How do we get that strength? Through prayer. How do we get the perseverance to stand through prayer? How do we wrestle against something that's spiritual, not physical, through prayer? How do we take on the whole armor of God? Notice it says the whole armor. We can't just leave part of it out so that we can stand through prayer. Truth, righteousness, feet shot, the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, or the hope of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, all of those things we enact or we use or 
that all have to do with our prayer life. If we lose any battle in our life, uh, we lose it in prayer. James says, you have not because he asks not. Do you know, want to know what the, the greatest problem in the lives of most Christians today is? The fact that they don't pray enough. Listen, you can pray. You can, there are some who will say, well, listen, my needs aren't big enough for me to pray for. You know, I'll pray about the big things. I'll pray for somebody's salvation. I'll pray if there's somebody dying of cancer. But uh, listen, no, 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 no. It, it says in everything. And in fact, in Philippians, it says, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Through prayer and supplication. We are to pray about everything at all times. In fact, as we go through this, the, the verse later this afternoon, if we do that now, we'll be here till two and you'll all be mad at me. But if we, it, 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 we're talking about sleepless, being sleepless because we're in prayer all the time. It's just this idea of never stopping praying. Now look, with, look at a couple different verses with me, if you would. I've got to figure out why I wrote them down. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Luke 18, 1 says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men not always to pray and not to faint. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. Not sure where Colossians is. Go back to Ephesians and take a right. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul says, We give thanks to, our, to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Uh, you don't need to turn there, uh, but it says pray without ceasing. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. What do these, what do these verses all have in common? They all have the necessity of prayer, continuing in prayer. That's the thing that brings them together. Mark, sorry, Matthew chapter 26, verse 41 says this. Last page. It says, watch and pray that ye enter not in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak pray. We can go through scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture with the command given to us as why we should pray. And we'll look at some of those this afternoon. But I, I want you to understand that, that prayer should be like breathing for the child of God. As somebody once, somebody once asked, I believe they, they asked Charles Spurgeon, what's more important, uh, reading your Bible and praying? He says, what do you, well, you tell me what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? Uh, for, for the child of God, uh, prayer is the most important thing you can do. And listen, praying for yourself, praying for the needs of others, pray, praying for God just to praise and, and bring honor and glory to his name. But we need to pray. That's how we battle in this Christian life. You're getting weary and tired because you feel like you're all alone. What do you do? Pray. 
You find you talk, you're you're coming into to, to doubt about whether 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 you can face this coming situation. It, it seems to be overwhelming you. You're discouraged. You're depressed. What do you do? Pray. Every response in the Christian life should be to pray. Here's the question for you, Christians. How's your prayer life? Are you praying always? Now, you say praying always. Uh, well, that, you're talking about uh, uh, prayer without ceasing. How can, how can that, what does that even look like? Well, that doesn't mean you just sit on your knees all the time and pray. That's not what it's talking about. Daniel, so the Bible says Daniel prayed three times a day. He prayed morning, noon, and night. But it's not even talking about having those set times, though I, that you should have set times that you pray that, as Christians. It's being in that constant communication with God. See, but I have a job. I've got to go do this. Or I, I, How can you pray when you're driving? Don't close your eyes. <laughs> but you can still talk to God. Do you talk to somebody sitting beside you? Don't text on your phone, but pray. Well, uh, the, the perfect picture for, for me for prayer is found in the book of Nehemiah. It, 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 just for sake of time, we won't, I won't have you turn there. But in Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah finds out or hears that, uh, that uh, he's, a, he's a captive. Uh, he, he, was, uh, he, he hasn't been, or been back to Israel for many, many years. But uh, what, he's, what he knows and finds out is that uh, the walls have been, have been destroyed and, and uh, the people are in danger. And, and those are his people, and he's worried about them. He, uh, he, he hears a report, and man, he just breaks down crying. He says he sits down, and, and, and then he begins to pray. And, and that first chapter tells us, uh, it tells us his prayer. Uh, and if you do the, the, look at the, the dates that are given in the first and the second chapter, you find that he didn't just pray once. He prayed that prayer night and day, the Bible says, and it turns out to be four months that he prayed now say, is, is, is that, he prayed night and day, is that, is that being able to, 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 to pray without ceasing? No. That's just praying night and day. And, and you should do that, that's not, but the, the example of praying without ceasing comes in the next chapter. Because his job is, uh, he's, he, he's the cup bearer of the king. And uh, he, he's, he's, he's the taste tester, uh, he, he t- tests the food and brings it before the king to make sure that uh, uh, the king looks at him and says, okay, you look healthy, I'm not going to be poisoned by this. Uh, so that's his job, and, and one day he's walking before the king, and the king notices something different about his face. Normally he comes in with a smile on his face. Now if you were the king and he was checking your food for poison, I'd be concerned too if he wasn't smiling when he came in. And he says, what, what's the problem? Uh, because you've never come in with your countenance like that before. And for four months, he's been praying what, that God might do something back in Jerusalem. And the Bible says he stopped and prayed to the Lord God of Israel. Now, he did not say, hold on a second, King. I'll be back in a few minutes. You know what he did? He did one of those prayers like I did when, when uh, Elijah, we were told that, we, that, that Jesse had lost Elijah. Uh, when she was pregnant, and we were in the hospital. And we'd been praying for a child for, for three years at that point, or two years at that point. Uh, told we couldn't have kids. My wife got pregnant, and, and now she's bleeding in an, ex, in an exorbitant amount of blood for no apparent reason. And they said, well, there's, there's a good chance, about 75% chance that you're miscarrying. And I can remember going in 
to the to the ultrasound room and they said we're going to check if if he if the baby is still there then then you have a chance if not we're sorry i did not have time to come up with some great oratory prayer that would impress the masses I couldn't even think. All I prayed was, please, please, God. And we heard, Nehemiah standing before the king, the king saying, what can I do? What, what do you want from me? Say, God, please help me. See, well, how does God know what he wants? Well, number one, God knows our hearts and knows our thoughts. So God knew what he needed. But that prayer was built upon the four months of prayer and asking God what, what he could do that he might help. Praying always, always being ready and prepared. And when the, when the need arises, not necessarily falling to your knees, but being able to cry out, God, please. And, and knowing that God is, that God is, and a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But we must believe that He is, and a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. What's amazing is the king didn't say, "Off with his head, get out of my presence. You're fired." Why would you ask? The, you're my servant. Why would you? You're, you're a, a captive servant. Why would you ask that of me? No. He said, how much time do you need off and how much money do you need? What happened? God worked. God heard that, that prayer and God answered. I prayed and said, God, please. The doctors were... I worked in that hospital. I, I, was a, I was a paramedic. I'd been in that hospital. They knew me. As we walked into that room to, to, to check for the ultrasound, I don't know how many of the nurses and the doctors walked over and said, we're sorry for your loss. There was nothing better than to walk out with a smile on my face and say, praise God for hearing my prayer. Listen, that's a big thing. God hears his prayers for small things too. But we need to pray. We need to pray. Not just when those things take place, but all the time. We're talking about this walk with Jesus thing. I appreciate all the work that's been done to decorate, to film. To, to, uh, Anita has done so much stuff with, with writing. I, I, I'm so thankful for, the, for all the folks that had a part in this. But you know what the most important thing that we can do? Is not get this stuff out there but pray for those that watch it. That God might do a work in their heart, that God might open up their eyes so that they understand that they're sinners and that Jesus really did die and raise again because to the world that doesn't make sense. How can somebody rise again? Because they're God. We have enough eyewitness testimony in the New Testament and it says that 500 people witnessed him and say, well, that's, uh, that's uh, how, why would you believe that? 
because it's in the Bible and it's written. Now listen, we believe eyewitness testimony for a whole lot of things. Did you watch the Hindenburg burn? But you believe it because somebody watched it and wrote it down. Well, they filmed it. Well, you can make a lot of kinds of films. I've seen dinosaurs eat people, but that's not real. Even greater than that for me is that the 12 men who, 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 who were there, they saw Jesus. They, they went and told, when they, they went out and preached the gospel of the apostles. They turned the world upside down, and they all died for their faith. They all died. Listen, they, they were put to death because of what they, what they were teaching and believing. I don't know about you, but if I know what I'm teaching is a lie and somebody's offering to cut, cut off or telling me they're going to cut off my head unless I recant, I'm going to recant because I like my head where it's at. It may not be pretty, but it's, I'm attached to it. Every single one of them went willingly to die. John the one, the one who uh, wrote, wrote the book of Revelations, was boiled in oil and survived. But he did it willingly. Why? Because for him, it wasn't just a story that he read in a book. It wasn't just some, a, a story that, they, that a group of them made up so that they could tell other people and, and, and change, change the religion the way, the, the way people knew it. No. They experienced it. In fact, John says in 1 John, that which we have handled, that which we have seen, that which we have heard. He's talking about the time that he spent with Jesus Christ. See, Jesus was a person. He's not just a figment of our imagination. He wasn't just somebody in a storybook or in a history book. He, they saw him and they know him. And listen, if you're here today and you're not saved, you say, well, how can I know him? Because God can open up your eyes and reveal to you the truth. And you can come to have a personal relationship with somebody that you never met. What do you mean? He reveals himself to you through the word. Uh, he, he fills, uh, the truth is, uh, God and, 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 and Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus Christ is God. Uh, he fills that void in your life that nothing else can fill. Satan may have his hooks in you, but I can tell you there is one who can set you free. One last verse. Turn, with, turn to it with me if you would. Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. I mentioned this verse earlier. Colossians 1.13 Speaking of Jesus, it says, it says uh, start reading in verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will, God's will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. This is the verse we talked about. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. It's talking about being del delivering us from the jurisdiction of Satan and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That word trans translated means rescued. 
if you were, if you're, if you're here and without without having placed your faith in Christ, you're you're not saved. A lot of religious words, but if you're here and you've never trusted in in Jesus Christ, you're still under the power. You're still in, within the jurisdiction of Satan. You may be deceived. You, you may not understand. You may not believe. But it doesn't change the fact that it's true. But but the Bible says, "He who hath delivered us," talking about those that are saved from that power of darkness, rescued us. And brought us into the jurisdiction of Jesus Christ. What Jesus Christ did for me, he can do for anybody. Now listen, you can you say, I'm not a bad person. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a good person. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Say, well, okay, I made some mistakes. But I'm not a murderer. The Bible says that if we commit one sin, we're just as guilty as if we've committed any sin. See, the, the problem is we what we do is we, we hold ourselves up to, I could hold myself up to Satan over here. I mean, sorry. <laughs> I, I could hold myself up to somebody else and say, I'm as good as they are, or I'm better. But it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The standard isn't him or him or anybody else. The standard is God, and God is holy and perfect. So, so I, I'm, I'm going to fall short. In fact, everybody falls short. That's why, that's why it says, for all have sinned. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Because we're sinners, because we've broken the law of God with our sin and, and, our, and our sinful nature, uh, there, there, there's a consequence to our sin, the wages of sin. And the Bible says that's death. Say physical death. Well, well no, because we all physically die. Hey, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm free. I've been saved from the penalty of sin, but I'm still going to die. It's talking about spiritual death, separation from God from all, for all eternity. It's, it's being in the, under the power of Satan. If I, if I die without Christ, if I die without salvation, what's going to happen is I'm going to spend an eternity away from God in a place of torment. Not that God wants to torment us. That place was created for Satan and for his angels. But if we reject God, we reject, we reject everything about God, and that is the only place where God will not be. That's the wages of our, of our sin. We're guilty. And none of us can get away from that. But, but God loved us so much, it says in Romans, that he, that he commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, so even though we were sinners, even in the midst of our sin, he still loved us. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, 16, that because he loved us, he sent his son to die on the cross for us. First John says this, uh, wherein is love, or what is love? It says, uh, and it gives the, the, the perfect picture. Uh, it says, here is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. It's a big word. It means payment. See, uh, I deserve death. I deserve, I deserve punishment because of my sin. And, even, uh, and, and, and God, in his love, sent Christ to pay, for, to pay my fine, to, 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 to live out my sen- sentence. And he did that by dying on the cross, suffering one of the most brutal, brutal deaths that any human could suffer. But even more than that, there was a point in time on the cross where he said, he said my, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because when my sin was placed upon Jesus Christ on the cross, and Jesus, he died for the sins of all men, not just mine. But when my sins were placed on him, God the Father couldn't look upon God the Son because for the first time they were separated. He bore my, my sin. He paid for me so that I, by faith, could trust in him. 
The Bible says that we can inherit everlasting life. The Bible says if we believe, First John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth hath everlasting life. It doesn't say that you have to join a specific church. It doesn't say you have to give any money to the church. It doesn't say that you have to dress in a certain way or talk in a certain way. It doesn't say that you have to live in a certain country, be a certain race, be a certain gender. It doesn't say you need to be any of those things. You know what it says? Believe. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The invitation there is for those that are laboring, trying to, to earn their way to heaven. They're, 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 they're trying to earn their way to, to, to God. And the Bible says that there's none righteous, no, not one. That it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. There's nothing we can do to earn it. He, he gives us a gift of salvation. But like any other gift, we have to accept it. We can't say, we can't say, I'll, I'll, I'll take it later. But here's the problem. None of us know if it's going to be later or not for us. I'm, three weeks ago, I got COVID. I was, it wasn't here for, for most, of, most of you know, I wasn't here. Uh, me and my family thankfully stayed home. There was one night I woke up and I could not breathe. And I don't know if it was just in my head or what it all was, but I couldn't lay flat. If I laid flat, I couldn't breathe. I, thankfully, I never ended up going to the hospital uh, or needing to go to the hospital. But, but, but I, that night, I sat up all night long. I can't breathe. What if I die? I've got four kids. I've got a wife. I wasn't afraid of death, of going to heaven. That's, that's a good time, honestly. But, but I was afraid of leaving my family. I was afraid of I, nobody really wants to, to, to die. It's not going to be... Not being able to breathe and dying isn't probably a pleasant way to go. Uh, I, I, was, I, I was worried. I was, I was, I was fearful. Listen, uh, by God's mercy, I didn't die. Listen, uh, there, there are uh, healthy people that die of this stuff. I, I thank God that I wasn't one of them. I'm not all that healthy. But there was a moment when I could have gone. Listen, and it, it could be like it could be COVID. As a paramedic, I saw all kinds of people die: car accidents, uh, people that just dropped dead. Uh, there was one 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 of my first calls as a, as a, as a uh, as an EMT was to a person's home for, for Thanksgiving. Grandma was carrying the turkey over to the table, and she collapsed and coded right there, on top of the turkey. It really ruined Thanksgiving, and. The, some people laugh. Not a joke. It was it was a bad day. But listen, she wasn't planning on dying. People don't plan on it. It just happens. And if you're planning on it, because let me tell you, that's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Suicide is never the answer. I talked to too many people that were willing to to take that step. I've seen too many people that took that step. Can I tell you what is the answer? The only thing that will fill that void, the only way, thing that will take away that pain. You may not see any way out of it, but you can find your way out of it through Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the answer. He is the one who's stronger than the strong man. The Bible says, greater is he, if you're saved, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. 
Lord, I thank you that we can pray. Lord, we're not worthy of it. We're not, we're not. <laughs> but God, you are so good. You're so merciful. And you, Lord, you give us so much grace. Lord, I pray that you would have your way with the rest of the service. Lord, may, may you be glorified in all that's said, Lord, and all that's done. Lord, may our hearts just be tender. That's what you would have for us. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Keep your heads bowed.